And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Friday Lines and Numbers edition, although if you happen to find this broadcast on YouTube Live, you can watch it on Thursday as we record it. I'm here with Ari Wasserman. Uh, We didn't advertise the recording of the video version of this podcast because we didn't know if it would have Ari cussing at his new mic arm the entire time because it came with no instructions. Yeah, I mean, I was cussing, and then Andy walked me through it over FaceTime. Uh, the joy of technology. You think the the number one thing you would do when you send somebody a piece of, of equipment is to put instructions in there, especially for people like me who can't even screw in a light bulb, but we, we, we made it. We did, and, and instructions do matter. You, home ownership will help you, Ari. As, as you get older, when you buy your own house, you will learn to do stuff and fix stuff. And it, I promise, when I was an apartment dweller, I couldn't do anything. Now I am slightly more capable. Two words, new build. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Turnkey. Yeah, I don't have any patience for that stuff, but hopefully one day that'll be a talent that I can acquire. Oh, it's I, I have faith in you, Ari. I, I have a lot of faith in you. But, you know, it, it's it's interesting because we we're trying to figure out what we're going to talk about during the show. As we speak, Greg Sankey is talking about the SEC's new deal with ESPN that does not start until 2024. Uh, <laughs> it's funny they they announced at two o'clock there was going to be a press conference at six o'clock Eastern time. And you don't do that in 2020 if it's not a huge, huge deal because you kind of scare people. And so we, I figured out what it was about after, you know, a few minutes and, and we got it out there. We got the news out there because it was like my first calls were to Florida, LSU, Alabama, Arkansas. Like, are you still playing this weekend? Because I thought maybe the SEC was going to try to follow suit with the other leagues and, and give their championship game teams a, a week off. And then when somebody from one of those schools called me back and was like, no, we're playing. Don't worry. I was like, okay, what's what's the announcement? And they're like, I don't know. And then somebody called, it's the TV deal. So I called some other people. It is the TV deal. And we knew about this last year. We knew CBS was not going to, to keep paying for that deal because they had the best bargain in sports. They were paying $55 million a year for a package that was worth $300 million a year. So they didn't want to keep paying for it once their deal ended. So ESPN's going to do it. And uh and now that game is going to be on ABC, which, Ari, you didn't grow up in the South, so that, that probably doesn't mean much to you. But to, to those no, of I us who... No, I get it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've, if you watched Uncle Vern your whole, your whole life, pretty much, this is going to be weird, even though Uncle Vern is no longer doing the game. So it was already weird when Brad Nestler replaced him. But this is, this is going to be weird once it, once it happens. Yeah, you know, it was nice to have some diversity, too, in the broadcasts. I, I don't know about you, but I just feel like most broadcasts feel the same now, and that actually yeah. was unique. It felt different, you know, and the viewership uh, of college football is every bit as part of, of the sport as going to the games. And and the, the music that you hear, the the score boxes and the graphics on the television, you know, it does, it just bled SEC. And, like, now it's just going to be like every other big game, and, you know, I, I guess that's the way it is, but... You know, I, I do understand attachments to traditions, and I and I felt like that might be one of them, especially uh, from from an outsider. I can't imagine if if you were a big SEC person that music going into the SEC championship game. Oh, yeah. You know everything. Yeah, I feel like. What's weird is CBS used that for football games before they had the SEC deal. It's all SEC to me, and that's all I care. History started when when the SEC took over that. <laughs> it, it's just it, like the NBC me, NBA me, stuff too. It's like you know you're never going to okay. get that out of your head. Well, you mean you mean John Tesh's round ball rock? Why don't you sing that one for us? <laughs> that's the best intro music to the history of in the history of sports. 
Hmm. Not the Olympic theme. The Olympic theme is pretty strong. Oh, I'd take that over anything. If you, we should do a random ranking one of these days of best intro I, music at sports. I have events. done that random ranking like ten times. Oh, <laughs> and, okay. Well, I've never done it, so I yeah. I'll have to go we, listen. We to what will you do said. this. We will do this one of those days when when I have the audio clips ready to play on the show. That's when we'll do it because I'm not going to sing every one of them. You know, because well, you, you don't want me singing the Olympic themes. Dun, 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 dun. I'm not going to do it. Not Every single time you start singing uh, one of the themes, your shoulders get rocking. I don't know if it's because we're on YouTube or what, but you're feeling yourself right now. And I, and or I Heavy Action, which is the actual name of the Monday Night Football theme song, which is a great name for, <laughs> for a Monday Night Football theme song. No, I, But the, that is the most common response I got after the news came out. It, I'll, I'll break it down for you. It was basically 34% of the people said, no, I love the CBS broadcast and and in parentheses, they're also saying, I don't read Sports Business Journal because this, John Oren for the Sports Business Journal reported a year ago that this was going to happen. So we all knew this was going to happen. Uh, 33% said, good, Gary Danielson hates my team anyway, which is one of the great fun things about college football is all the fans who imagine that some announcer hates their team when the announcer really could not care less whether their team wins or loses. Uh, another 30%. Now, 33%. Now in now ESPN will shill even harder for the SEC. And I, I don't think that's possible. They already own the SEC network. Uh, having one more game, I mean, now they're SEC completists. They have all the rights. But I don't think they'll shill any harder than they already did. Plus, they still have business relationships with the other leagues. I'm, I, it's funny, though. Uh, when you said the press conference thing and I saw that people were tweeting about that, I was like, I looked up to the sky and I said, please don't be canceling the SEC championship game. Please don't be telling us that something terrible is going to happen. Because if the SEC championship game um, was put into a weird spot or something else, I don't know how much more I can handle at this point. And I can't imagine well, what that, the fans and, and feel like. that's the thing. I mean, like in this year where every press release is a cancellation, don't give four hours lead time on a press conference and make people freak out. Like... I, I I didn't sometimes I feel bad when I steal somebody's thunder by reporting what the press conference is going to be about, but I don't I didn't this time because people's imaginations were spinning wildly. Not so this it's year. Good to put <laughs> some not, put some do facts this year. to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like interesting too with college football fans, and it's like funny because the sport is all about tradition and everything that you know goes along with college football's tradition, and even the theme music and the the network that you. Are, are accustomed to watching the game on as part of that. Well, exactly right. And and CBS broadcasts had a feel to them, as you mentioned. It's a, it's a kind of a cinematic feel. You know, for, for those who don't know, if it looked like they had more cameras than most broadcasts, it's because they did. This was a, a, a crew that normally does golf tournaments. And so they had a ton of cameras. Craig Silver, who's the, the producer of the broadcast now and has been for a long time, he's a wizard. Like... It looks like a movie. It's incredible. And, and different networks have different feels. You know, Fox feels different. And then, you know, ESPN feels different. ESPN, I think, probably has the most reliable feel, you know, the, across conferences, across games. But it feels a little too slick compared to the SEC. I think, you know, that they, they did a good job at ESPN trying to give that ABC eight o'clock Saturday night game, that same cinematic feel. I remember, you remember the, the Clemson game where they, they had the, the steady cam shot of, of the bus coming and then them going down the hill. That was beautiful. And if ESPN can, can give that treatment to those SEC games on ABC, then that's good. That, that's what you want because these games have always been really special to people and the presentation of the game means a lot. So I hope they appreciate that. And Lord knows they're going to be paying through the nose for it. So they, they ought to devote some resources to it. I think it's aptly put. The the CBS broadcasts sometimes or all the time felt like a golf tournament a little bit. And it's like, I don't know, like even the big games, there was a sort of relaxing feel to it. I don't know if I'm, if I'm well, alone that, in that, that. I think that was Vern, though. I, Vern yeah. was better than anybody else at toggling between I am the voice of God and I'm your buddy next to you on the bar stool. And nobody else can do it. Like Brad Nessler is a really good broadcaster, but he's in voice of God mode the entire time. And 
It's great because his voice of God mode is really good. But the thing is, Vern was so great at toggling it. I mean, <laughs> Vern and Gary <laughs> dancing to Soldier Boy at, at Auburn, Georgia in 2007 is one of the funniest things you will ever see in your life. Like, it is unbelievable. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk college football this week, Ari, because what we were originally going to talk about before the, the SEC ESPN news broke was there is no woe Martha results this year. Now, what's a woe Martha result? That's you're sitting at the at the table or on the couch and, and you see a score come across and you, and you just do the spit take. You spit out everything. Whoa, whoa Martha, you see that? None of those this year. It just hasn't happened. And I'm, I'm really surprised because you figured this year would be the year of the unexpected. But it's almost like you have this group of teams that is competing for championships and really deeply cares about what's going on. And then you have a group of teams where it hasn't gone the way they wanted. And so they've, they're, they're just not as motivated. And so you haven't seen a really crazy upset that just changes everything. Okay, so can I just like get this out of the way right now? Do it. I think part of the reason why you're not seeing those moments is even when teams are, in, are are infected by COVID and players are out, certain teams are impacted more than others based on the True. depth and talent that they have on their roster. And I think that as easy as it is to say, well, why, why in the craziest year ever where everything is going weird ways and players are being ruled out left and right and why has there been no 30-point underdog to beat a, a playoff contender? The reason why is when a team that's in the playoff contention discussion from the beginning of the season, usually the most talented teams in college football lose 20 players, they've got really good ones behind them. And I think that like if you really pull the curtain back a little bit and try to figure out exactly how that's happening, I think that's the, the, most, legit, the most logical answer. The, the teams with the most good players are good, and the teams that have three or four good players, if they're missing those three or four elite-level NFL players or one of the three, they're entirely different than they are when they have everybody. And it's like Alabama, this is the, the, the example that I keep using whenever I bring this up, but Andy, Alabama lost Jaden Waddle and yes. now has the most explosive offense in college football. What would happen? Well, had if, the most explosive offense, and now has a slightly less explosive offense that is that's still, still the most the best. explosive yeah. offense um, in college football. Yeah. If you took put Jalen Waddle on any other team, maybe maybe not Ohio State or Clemson or the teams that are in that discussion, Andy. But like, what would that do to one one middle tier team? It like would ruin everything. It's like if you took Seth Williams off of Auburn. Could you imagine? It's already oh. bad enough as it goes, but like if you take the, the the marquee player off of like even if you go through the playoff rankings, let's take the marquee player out of every single one of those teams. Um, take Brees Hall out. Yes. You know, and what does it Iowa what does that State's do to that team? You You're know, right. and Ohio State, just to use this as an example, because they're the most recent example of this, lost twenty three players last week and won fifty two to twelve. Five of which were starters. You take five starters out of every other team in the top 15 outside of the top four or five, you have a, a drastically different football team. Well, and if Justin Fields wasn't one of the ones playing, I don't know that Ohio State, because remember, for most of the first half, he didn't know where the snap was going to wind up. And if you're yeah. not as good as Justin Fields, you turn that into some awfully negative plays, but he's Justin Fields and he made it work. 
Yeah, it's all about sustaining um, ability through depth. And, and college football is about that in normal seasons because you have to be able to overcome injury. And injury has happened, and for whatever reason in this year, we've forgotten that injuries are still happening on top of all this. But at a, at a moment's notice, you could be at without your best player or one of your most important players. And most teams in college football aren't built to sustain those losses. I mean, Wisconsin was a completely different football team last week without a few receivers out there. It's like Graham Mertz went from Heisman Trophy as a redshirt freshman and first-round draft pick to turnover city and losing to two teams that Wisconsin should have been or we thought was better than. Well, per- perhaps we should not have given Graham Mertz the Kenny Trill Hill Memorial first-week Heisman Trophy after the Illinois No, we game. should have. He was a four-star prospect in the top 100. <laughs> That's all I need. Well, I, well, let, let's, we can get into these this week's game since you mentioned Wisconsin because – this is the only Big Ten game I feel like we need to talk about at this point is Wisconsin a point-and-a-half favorite at Iowa. Iowa actually feels like it's playing the best of anybody in the Big Ten West right now. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like a stinky line, doesn't it? Um, it does. I, Especially considering the fact that I think Wisconsin's number one receiver is out again, and Wisconsin's offense has kind of looked uh, – Horrid to to use a pretty strong word there. I was going to say pedestrian, playing, but you can go horrid. Yeah, That's fine. yeah. I mean, it was or terrifying. I used to say that a lot in my twenties. God, it's terrifying. But it's um, not really they terrifying. Don't, it's terrifying to Wisconsin. It's not terrifying to opposing defenses. Right d- now, depends how big your bet ticket is. How terrifying things are. I mean, <laughs> things get terrifying real quick. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what is the make the case, Andy, to me that why Wisconsin's going to win this football game? Because I can't. I make can't. One. I can't. And I was getting points at home, so. That's when I feel like you can kind of jump all over because it, it just seems a little weird to me. It's like, what do you make? What do you make of a, of Wisconsin's loss to Indiana last week? Because it's like, on one hand, we spent Indiana's the entire week good defensively. We spent the entire week saying Indiana is a legit Big Ten championship contender and maybe should go, depending on how you view that, over Ohio State. Obviously, the rules change, but Indiana has been an interesting discussion. And then they just completely shut down Wisconsin's offense. Now, Indiana is a good football team because we know what. Their offense could do, especially when Michael Penix Jr. was not injured, but they shut down Wisconsin, couldn't score. Well, and, and let's remember, Tom Allen's a defensive coach. That's the side of the ball he came from. And so they were better on, they were good on defense before they got good on offense. So I, I'm just, I think they're a pretty complete team. I think that's what we've, we've learned about Indiana. But you know, I, Iowa started off the season badly, lost a couple of games and then has just come roaring back. So, yeah, I would take Iowa getting points at home in this situation. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and unless there's just something fishy going on here. And, right. you know, the interesting thing about Iowa's schedule really is that if you take away the – listen, we all remember how terrifying Iowa's offseason was. I mean, they had a really tough offseason with some – you know, stuff going on with their strength coach and, and, and treating all athletes equally. And, you know, you all know the stories. And the fact that they came into the season to lose their first two, you're thinking, wow, this place is is, is damaged right now. And rightfully so, you might have thought that. Um, especially considering the fact, weren't they up 17 nothing at one point on, on Northwestern before losing? Yeah, they were. I, listen, everybody was doing the Kirk Ferentz buyout math, and they're yeah not really doing it now. <laughs> so, I, so they yeah, come I, back I think- and they... They're blowing people out, Andy. 49-7 Michigan State, 35-7 Minnesota, 41-21 at Penn State. Weird game against Nebraska, but but pulled it out. And then a two-touchdown win over Illinois. It's like things are clicking there. Um, And I I just like part of me just feels like I would blindly bet Wisconsin here because it doesn't make sense. And my... My feeling is to always bet into the things that don't make Your sense. Stinky line radar. Yeah, my. I know that that hasn't always worked out well for me, but like this doesn't. I can't make a case for why you would bet on Wisconsin, which is why it doesn't make sense that they're the favorite. Yeah, it, it is an odd one, but let let's move to what would be Woe Martha games if they went the way that Vegas doesn't expect them to go. But I, I just don't see any possible way that happens. LSU at Florida and Alabama at Arkansas. These are both games that. You know, probably if you if you gave Greg Sankey his druthers, he'd he'd pull a, a John Swafford and just say, Alabama, Florida, please take the week off and play the best game you possibly can play next week, and both of you get in the playoff if you can. But Florida, twenty three point favorite against an LSU team that, Lord, I mean, we don't even know who's gonna who's gonna show up. You know, they lost Eric Gilbert, 
the tight end, freshman, maybe one of the best freshmen in the country. He's off the team. He's opted out for the rest of the season. We don't know if he's coming back to school. We don't know who else they've lost at this point, but this is just a skeleton crew coming to Florida that doesn't have a lot of motivation. And what do you do if you're Dan Mullen in this situation? Because you should be able to, to kind of name your score. Do you, do you pull your starters if you get a, a decent lead, even if it's really early? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 23-point spread is big, but it's not huge. Right. I mean, 23-point right. spread. 21 and somebody scores, all of a sudden you're one mistake away from this being a really close game. What's the universal number from a coach's standpoint where you feel comfortable to take your players out? 28. That's Is that like the rule? No, I'm just I, I I'm just using my own instinct. I think 28 yeah. feels feels comfortable. And if they get it down to 21, then you can think about putting starters back in. Yeah, you know, 28. I guess it also depends too on on whether or not um, the uh, opposing team is showing a pulse or in what quarter right. it is. You know, like if you're up 28 yeah, nothing. If, if, if it's know, a feisty, uh, if it's a feisty opponent, and they're just they're trying hard, but they're making mistakes, throwing picks, fumbling, all that. Then you leave your starters in a little bit longer. But yeah, if they're lifeless, if they're trying to take possessions out of the game just to make this the the margin smaller, if you're up 28, feel free to put your start your your backups in. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I watched Ohio State up 28 points in the second quarter quite a bit in the Big Ten for the past seven years, and that was never the point. I mean, they've kept starters in up 35 and sometimes even more, um, depending on what time of the game is. And it's just like, especially when you have to be bubble wrapping Justin Fields everywhere he goes right now. And right. Ohio State, you know, was up a pretty comfortable lead last year against Penn State and left uh, him in the game a little bit long. Then he hurt his knee and was not 100% in the playoff. Like, you know, I think that they are a little bit longer on the draw. But 23 points, you could be you know, up 17 or 34-17 in, in the fourth quarter and you still have the game somewhat in question depending on how neurotic your head coach is. So, you know, wasn't the Florida line last week 23-2 against Tennessee? Yeah. Or was it 17? Yeah, and, it was 21 or 20. It's like covered that. It's like I, it also seems a little bit weird to me that they're – not they're laying roughly the same amount of points against LSU as the Tennessee, but I guess are they kind of in the same dynamic right now? Would you say is LSU it's and a, Tennessee a, the same we don't thing? Know what they have left to play for dynamic. Yeah, you know it's like because like on paper you want to feel like there's danger there. The helmets are nice, you know what it is, but I don't yeah. know that there's danger there. It's gonna look weird. It's, it looks weird. It was weird in the Alabama LSU game too, because and then you you would see like the like Gilbert, you know. When, when he caught a, a long pass, you're like, wow, okay, so they do, I mean, they still got some elite dudes here, but it's just they don't have enough. The, the chemistry of this team is terrible. Like, I, I just can't imagine. Now, Alabama's going to Arkansas. Alabama is a 32-point favorite. Ari, watching Alabama against LSU, they could have scored as many as they wanted to. They took their foot off the gas. They'll be able to score as many as they want to against Arkansas as well. If you saw Arkansas play against Missouri – Arkansas's defense not in a great spot right now. This is going to be another one where it's basically when does Nick Saban want to pull the starters? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're doing the Woe Martha thing, I don't know that I see it in either of these two games. And part I, of the reason either. why I mean, Woe Marthas are Woe Marthas is because you can't see them coming. So yeah. I think it's like very every every week is is this going to be the upset spot? Is this team looking forward? Uh is this a, a trip up area? Is this a trap game? It's like Trap games are trap games because you can't identify them before. <laughs> like, right. And I've always thought that it was kind of stupid. Was this a trap game? Well, you know, I don't know that it's a trap game. I know that Arkansas is tough. I know it's on the road. Um, but, I mean, I, it'd be interesting to go back and look at the math of how many times a 30-point underdog in the Power Five has won a football game. I venture to say it's less than five times in 10 years. It's, it's not very often. And we don't have any other spreads like that. The the one other spread we did have like that was Texas by 30 over Kansas, but that game's been canceled. And we, yeah. can, we can talk about that a little later if we want, but Texas's season is now over. Uh, they're going to play in a bowl game, which here's the other weird thing about that, Ari. National Signing Day is next Wednesday, and then you've got bowl games pretty much immediately after next week. So like, if you're Chris Del Conte, when are you going to make that decision on Tom Herman? Like, When are you going to either say, we're keeping him. He's our guy, which 
Del Conte at some point is going to have to say for recruiting purposes. So he's going to need to say that between now and Wednesday, or he's going to need to say, okay, we're trying to find a new guy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you talk about this a lot uh, as I listen to your show. Big fan, Andy. Um, and we've talked about <laughs> it quite a bit. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I think that the thing with Texas is that they were so all-in with Urban that the bill that it's going to cost to replace Herman isn't worth it with the candidates that are out there. And that's not a swipe. The juice is not worth the squeeze, as it were. I don't think it is. I mean, do you agree? I mean, who are you paying that check for? I know Campbell's out I, there, I, and I, I love I what Campbell's done. I broke it all down done. in a column on Monday, and it, I had a very that's hard why I'm time doing justifying this. the price. Very, very difficult time. It, whether it's, it's Mario Cristobal, Matt Campbell... Uh, James Franklin, nobody guarantees you anything. You could be in the same boat you're in now. There's even the possibility you could be in a worse position than you are now. So I, I don't, I don't know that it justifies writing 25 to $30 million worth of checks. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that especially when you start envisioning your, like when fans start envisioning what the future is going to look like with urban, whatever you replace him with, whoever you replace him with, isn't going to live up to that standard and that's not an insult to the young guys uh that are in play here that's a compliment to urban so um at that point you kind of wrap your mind around with how two year two were in the playoff top four classes every year like you start building in the automatic um right. expectations that come with him and that wouldn't be the expectation if matt campbell became the head coach but it'd no. be the similar or maybe more expensive result, price you just tag. don't know yeah, you don't know. You can't expect it. And wouldn't Campbell actually be maybe more expensive? Um, some of these buyouts and yes. some of these other other situations would be more expensive than hiring a guy who works for a television network. His his buyout is six million dollars right now. James Franklin's is five million, and Mario Cristobal's is eight million. If you hire him before January fifteenth, and it drops to five, so very expensive. And, and and there may be other guys that would be in the mix if they if that that job opens, but they're all working at places and they're all also expensive to move. So that that part you got to worry about. One game that is being played where a coach's job does feel like it's in the balance, and I don't know if it's necessarily in the balance because of the result of this game. I think it it's one of those where the AD's just got to decide what he wants to do. Virginia at Virginia Tech, the Hokies are a two and a half point favorite. Last year, Virginia snapped a 15-game losing streak against Virginia Tech. But the the Justin Fuente thing is getting pretty weird. You know, he, he interviewed at Baylor last offseason. I don't think they appreciated that very much at Virginia Tech. He's had a couple, he's already signed a couple of extensions. So he's he's due quite a bit of money if they want to make a move. But the recruiting is not what they want it to be. Uh it just doesn't seem like they ever have the right chemistry. They have these weird, you know. Some games they look amazing. Some games they look terrible. What do you do here, Ari? They, they did look terrible one week this year. That was pretty frustrating for me. Um, let me ask you a question. Off the top of your head, answer honestly. Have you looked at the where the recruiting class finished last year? Like, Do you know the rankings? Last year or the year before? Or, or the current class? That, that 2020, last year. The one that signed in, in uh, last December. It was not great. It was I had to hit Just load guess. more if I, if I wanted yes. to. 67? 76. Woo! I had the numbers right. Just transferred. You had the numbers right. Um, I don't know. Last year when I saw that, I found that to be very alarming. And, and this year they've got a bigger class. And last year, granted, they did have a smaller class. So that does take a part into the um, you know shock of that number. But this year they're at 44 uh, with 23 commitments. And you know I know that coaching is all about um, – results and how the team looks and the fire in the eye of the players and are they bought in and all the stuff that you like and to Frank see on, on the back of Wheaties boxes either yeah and yeah i don't know if virginia tech is going to be signing top 10 classes and i don't know the top 10 is the standard i think in the 30s is probably the standard for virginia tech a team that had uh 10 years ago been a pretty constant fixture in the acc race and you know wasn't a playoff or i mean a, a national championship race that lost their final regular season game and, and didn't get in so um you know this program isn't a team that should be middling and you know i know that there are some teams making moves right now in the acc north carolina is making a move miami, miami is about to flip a, a top 50 quarterback from california from usc and they're about to sign i, a top I think 10 georgia class. tech's going to get better too 
as they yeah. they, they seem if Georgia to be Tech can figure out a way to to be a bigger factor in Atlanta, they have a shot. And like the ACC, as we've always joked about on this podcast, is has always been there for the taking. But I think in three years, it's not going to be there for the taking because people are building some encouraging things right now. We're talking and, coastal, not not the whole yeah. league because Clemson's got that. Yeah, no, but up. but but still, you got programs who are building something that could be something special in three or four years if they see things through. And I think that if you're the athletic director of Virginia Tech, you've got to sit back and sit in a chair and look at the results of the talent accumulation phase and say, is this up to par? And then I think other than that, that to me, it's like the same thing an NFL team would do. Are we drafting well? Because it all comes down to the players. And, and then after that, you can start discussing, well, what were the results like? Why were the results this way? Well, and there, is it an assistance also been problem? some chemistry is issues chemistry with various development. teams. Right. Yeah. But the thing that I always say is it's always about having the players first and then doing what you can with the players second. And one of the um, – I spoke to a recruiting coordinator this week who, if you're listening, what's going on, man? You know who I'm talking to. He likes the <laughs> show. Um, but cool. he said, I I agree with your stars matter take, but the thing I wanted to make a distinction of when you talk about this is that between the teams of 15 and 30, or even 15 and 40, it's much harder to distinguish which classes are better in that group than it is between 15 and 1. And I agree with that completely. Um, development and um, you know chemistry and strength coach and assistance and game plans and, you know, to overall uh, program philosophy, all that stuff is important. You can't. So the thing that I'm concerned about with Virginia Tech is that they're so far off of their a talent accumulation phase that I don't even know that I can begin to even think about where they're going to be with their actual talent once it comes because they don't have a chance coming out of the gate. And we've had this argument so many times, and I want to have it again. I think the most important thing in terms of evaluation um, with a quarter, uh, it, with a coach is recruiting, and that's what makes the Tom Herman thing so tough because he has recruited pretty well, but you've given him enough years of recruiting well and not developing to come to an, right. uh, where, an where understanding. Are where picks? are we going? But where right are the now, picks? Virginia I mean, that, Tech's that, not there. They're not yeah, even out of the starting. That, that's the thing. Now, Virginia Tech does have a first round draft pick, maybe depending on where Caleb Farley goes. Now he opted out for this season, but. This is this is a guy that this staff recruited and developed. So it's, but it, they've had the, you know a couple of weird seasons where there were chemistry issues. The you know they were so good the first year, and then Gerard Evans just leaves. Like it, it was it was just an odd. It's been an odd tenure because it started off great. It looked perfect. It like this is the ideal person to replace Frank Beamer. It's just perfect because they, they have kind of the same mentality as a team. They, they win about the same way, but they haven't looked like that as much. And, and they've had, as, as we mentioned, a couple of games in the past couple of years, like that Duke game last year, you're just scratching your head like, how is this happening? What, what is going on here? And you know, I, I just, I don't know if this works long-term and Whit Babcock's got to be the one who decides that though, that that's, that's the hard part because he will have to pay a lot of money to make that happen. Yeah. Virginia tech has signed a top 100 player one time since 2017. And that was in 2017. Wow. So wow. you want to start talking about ACC. It was there for the taking. You can live with that for a few years. But in a, in a place that has access to the DMV area, has a, a very recognizable brand name. I don't know if it's as, as recognizable as it was maybe eight years ago um, when they were competing at a higher level. And I know these kids are – when Virginia Tech was competing for a national championship, these kids were like seven. So I don't know if that counts. But, you know, I, I don't know that they are anywhere near where I think they well, should when, be or could when be. When Virginia Tech was competing for a national championship, they, they weren't even a gleam in their parents' eyes. So, what I mean, I, I have a terrible memory. Um, 99 was Michael Vick when they played Florida State for the national title, it was the 99 season. So, none of these players who are being recruited now had been conceived. That's crazy to say. Yeah, I know. It just I know. means you're it's old. Like, it makes welcome, me feel welcome old, to the club. But, you know, I, I there were a few years in the 2000s, weren't there, where they were 
They went to a they, Sugar Bowl they, in 2004. They pretty much owned the ACC after they joined it because the rest of the ACC was really bad. Clemson hadn't become Clemson yet, and Florida State was mired in what, what they call the lost decade, although I think they're probably going to have to create a new term at this point, given what, what's going on there now. So, yeah, I, they were when they actually carried the ACC early on in their time in the conference. So it's, it's just strange to see them like this. We'll be back to talk more college football right after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. North Carolina at Miami. This is a game we initially, before the season started, and before we realized just how good Notre Dame was, we thought this might be the one to determine who played Clemson in the ACC title game. I'm still excited for this one, Ari. I think this is going to be a uh, a lot of fireworks. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of soul-searching since our Tuesday show. And I know that I freaked out about USC. But you We're know what? We'll talk about them in a minute. I, I, I guess we can talk about it again if you want. But um, Miami's kind of gotten a raw deal this year, too. And I know that part of the deal is – and it's not that they're yeah. misranked or – no, no, I'm not saying that they are being mistreated – but the fact of the matter is, is that they're having a very impressive season for their standard, and like their one loss is going to be to a firing uh, on all cylinders Clemson team, and like they just got roadblocked and never had a chance to really be a part of it. But like, I think they're a pretty good football team, and I don't know that they're great. Uh, we saw them struggle with the Virginia Tech team that we uh, were just talking about, and I don't know that I would put Miami on the same field. But if I'm, if I'm Here's a better question. Not who's going to win this football game. Which of these two teams are you buying stock in? If you had to pick. Well, here's the thing. Can Miami repeat this? I know North Carolina can. Sam Howell's back another year. If they keep Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, the offense is going to probably look the same. But even if they'd lose Phil Longo, Mac knows what he wants out of the offense, so he could go find somebody. Because I think Phil Longo is is a name that you're going to hear bandied about for offensive coordinator jobs for, for maybe head coaching jobs. Cause he was, he was a head coach at the FCS level. So that's one of those that I think they can repeat that for Miami. This is their first year doing it. Are you keeping Rhett Lashley or is Rhett Lashley getting a head coaching job or getting poached by a higher paying OC job in the sec where he used to work or, you know, what's going to happen? Cause and, and then Derek King's gone. So, it's going to be up to you to to have a quarterback, either have a quarterback that you've developed or one you sign. You know, you mentioned Jake Garcia, who was a USC commit. He's the one who played in California when they didn't play high school football in California. He tried to move to Valdosta, Georgia, and play there. His parents even legally separated to meet the requirements, uh, but he was still ruled ineligible. But he is now in Loganville, Georgia, at Grayson High, and he's got. A game, I believe, Friday night in the uh, state quarterfinal. So, uh, but he just decommitted from USC and is the f- is favored to commit to Miami. So, could he walk in the door and start? 
Could Miami grab another grad transfer and do it that way? We don't know until we know what happens with Rhett Lashley, but I think that is the key. Miami's finally running the offense it's supposed to be running. Can they keep doing it if the guy who runs it leaves? Miami's two top-rated players in their 2021 class. Five-star defensive end Leonard Taylor from Miami Palmetto, number 10 overall player in the country, and five-star safety James Williams uh, from Fort Lauderdale American Heritage. That, my friend, is what you got to see. And you're right. Everything you said, absolutely. And I do think Jake Garcia could be good enough to start. They had uh, from good day defenses one. for a while with terrible offenses. They still South need a good offense. Florida elite level players from Dade going to Miami. That's what you need constantly. That's the only way. Well, you you mentioned one guy from Broward. Oh, you get it. You get what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. Dade I'm not, Broward in Palm Beach County. Yes, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I don't live in Florida. Everybody gets it, but you, you get very people get people in Broward get very mad if you say the only good players are in Dade and vice versa. So Broward and Dade. Okay. We'll we'll bring um, Ace Hood in here to defend Broward. Yeah, yeah and we'll I mean, bring I listen Uncle to Luke rap music and I only Dade. hear Dade. I don't hear Broward. All I know is that uh, when this ath- uh, this athletic podcast blows up and I become famous, I'm going to buy a condo on Sunny Isles. There you go. You think Perfect. I'm going to do? I can, you were talking about beachfront property, and then I'm going to raise a son who's a five star prospect, and he's going to go to Miami. <laughs> and then the whole sort, you know, if I ever have a son who's a recruitable prospect, I promise you he will stay home because that's the way it's supposed to go when you have a uh, a program. Depending on where I live, I guess. But See, you know, I think you the, want the, some the, school buying you a tractor. That's what you want. I want free gear, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that. There are pieces in place to feel good about buying stock in Miami. And then, of course, what North Carolina is doing, Andy, is owning their own state, pushing Clemson for kids in North Carolina. They're not always getting them, but they're pushing Clemson. And that's one thing that, you know, is a path of resistance because Clemson has such an easy route to Charlotte. You know, that's it's, it's a hard thing to do. So, like, if you had to pick one of these two teams to buy stock in, like, I don't know that that's an easy answer. No. Now, in this particular game, Miami's favored by three I'm more interested in the over-under. 67 and a half is the number. I think that's going over. I think I agree with you. And I hope it does. And it's going to be glorious. Oh, yeah. I For for the sake of us viewers, go over. Because th- this could be one of the more fun games of this season. So I'm ready. Let's, let's all go over. Now, one more game to talk about before we get to our random ranking, which is a uh, – it's delightful. I promise. I'm excited. But we had a long conversation on Tuesday night's show about USC. Are you believe that USC, if they keep on winning, if they keep fighting on, that they can potentially crack the playoff? And But what you mean is they win the way they won against Washington State and the way they won against Utah, not the way they won against the Arizona schools. They have UCLA. USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite going to the Rose Bowl. So either I'm eating crow because USC whips UCLA – or I'm also eating crow because I've said some things about Chip Kelly's tenure at UCLA that have not been particularly nice, but I do think they are playing really well, and it looks like they are becoming the team he wanted them to be. I think UCLA can win this game, Ari. That's a three-point spread. Of course they can. Uh, I just want to be abundantly clear, and I don't know where this turned, and I think people even that read the column that I wrote after I got fired up on this show don't understand me. I am not saying that USC is going to do it. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. The only thing I'm trying to say is that they deserve at least a sliver of the discourse about the playoff. That's it. As they, they sit do there deserve undefeated, a sliver of the discourse, that's and here's it. my sliver. It's not going to happen. Alabama beats Florida. Notre mm. Dame beats Clemson. Yes. USC kicks Rocks shit the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. They they win the they beat UCLA by sixteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. They go on to play whoever's available in the Pac twelve championship. They're unbeaten. Uh-huh. Who is going to the playoff? A and M. Yep. Yes, sir, buddy. You think? Howdy. Giggum. Do you, let me ask you this: Would Texas A and M fans be nervous? No. And you don't think well, they no, would be actually, nervous? Actually, I take that back. 
They'll be nervous because they're Texas A&M fans, and they're always nervous. They're perpetually nervous. Oh, man, as I don't we, know. We, I don't said, think it's as cut and dry as you think it is. They're constantly waiting for the piano to fall. I don't think it's as cut and dry as you think it is. I'm just I saying, think is. I think that there are certain... I don't think it's going to happen. Too many things have to happen for it to happen. So like, if, if everybody's going to be like, look at you, Ari, you're an idiot because they didn't make it. That's not the point of the discussion. My point is that as we sit here on December look 10th... Look you building weeks, in excuses. I'm not it's building beautiful. in excuses. I never once... Go sift through, Cameron, one of our producers, go skip through every ounce of audio I've ever had on the show and find me the clip or writing where I said they're Please going to do Please don't waste it. your time doing that. Because it didn't happen. The only point I'm trying to make is as they sit here at 15, A, they're misranked, and B, they are not dead. They're not dead. I don't care They'll if be it's dead a long shot. UCLA beats them. If that's the case, and I'll then that's... take back... Like, yeah, I'll, it, I am going to eat crow one way or the other. I will be taking back everything I said about the Chip Kelly regime at UCLA, or I'll be taking back what I've said to you over the last couple of weeks about USC. I will be eating crow. That's, that is a guarantee come Saturday. All that said, I would be nervous if I were a USC fan this week. Yeah, I, I, I just think UCLA is playing really well. Uh, they, when they got Dorian Thompson-Robinson back, it, it made the offense a little bit more potent, even though I thought Chase Griffin did a good job. And the defense is playing. Well. I, I mean, this is this looks like the team they thought they were getting when Chip Kelly showed up. It's just that they're getting it in in year three. So I, I'm I'm very excited to watch that game because listen, you can't not love watching USC's receivers play. Like Drake London is one of my favorite players to watch. I love how he catches the ball and usually drags like three guys six yards before they bring him down. Like that's so much fun to watch. But I just can't see USC putting together a complete enough game to compete with a, a real playoff caliber team like an Ohio State or like an Alabama or like a, a Clemson. The other game that you don't have on here, and the reason, I'm, and trust me on this, I'll get to what I'm trying to say is we don't have Utah, uh, Colorado here. No. Um, but, but you're right, so, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting game in the sense that Colorado is unbeaten, and for all the same reasons that I yell about USC, I think technically you could make the same case for Colorado. The reason why I use USC is because they've got a top 10 most talented team uh, in college football just from the amount of pure talent on the roster, and they've got Slovis and St. Brown, but I guess you could make the same logic. Unbeaten Power 5 champions hold weight. But also, while we're recording the show, Andy, the Oregon-Washington game got canceled this weekend. Yes. And that is like a Washington's pretty big deal. Washington's in, right? That means Washington's in the big in the Pac-12 I guess. Game. I don't know. They've What, have they played three games? I mean, they I don't know. They played four. They're three four. and one. They got beat by a Stanford team that 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 looks like Stanford again. Yeah. I... <laughs> I don't know what this means, but if I were the uh, if we're doing the conference change rules musical chairs stuff this week, um, Colorado wins and beats Utah, even though I think there's a chance that they could lose. Um, you might start thinking about maybe getting USC another game uh, against a team that's unbeaten, and who knows? And here's one thing I can count on is the Pac-12 not doing the thing that would help its team make the playoff. There's only one conference that does the right thing or two, right? ACC and SEC, or what about the Big 12? They've silently been perfect, haven't they? The big, Hey, listen, the Big 12 is the reason there's a season in 2020. If, not, yeah. if the Big 12 bails on August 11th, everybody else does too. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world out there. But, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the uh, Pac-12 um, let's cross our fingers that, you know, the extent of these outbreaks are are already at the at the peak capacity and nobody else gets sick. But I just I don't know. I have my eyes. I'm like side eyeing the Pac-12 like this. I'm like making facial expressions. Look at you they, incorporating the video. YouTube. For those who are listening, we are doing this on video. Starting next week, we'll actually tell you when we're doing it on video and advertise it to you so you can watch it. We're only doing it as a practice now because we have no idea if I'm going to like shoot boogers at the screen while I'm talking. But Ari was definitely doing a great side eye there. So well, you were we'll, you were over there like uh, doing your your Gary Daniels and stuff and all the yeah. So you know you're all part of a it. great Gary impression. <laughs> you did you did a great impression. Uh, I'd like all to right. know how many people found this by accident and are actually watching it. Uh, I pray no one has. I pray no one has. We're, we're going to do better next week, I promise. But right now, we need to get to 
our weekly feature, most weeks. The random ranking. This is this is something that was floating around the internet earlier this week, and I had a lot of fun going down memory lane with this, and, and I think you will too. Ari, we're going to rank our top five defunct mall stores. So we're talking places that they could be regional or national chains, but the places that you, you would hit when you went to the mall back when going to an indoor mall was a thing people did. So what is your number five? I actually felt so old doing this. Uh, and yes, I used to work in the mall in high school, and I think you said you Wait, did two you at Champs. Uh, Lids. Oh, that's right. You were at Lids. Yeah, I was at Champs Sports. Champs. So, and that's where I got my affinity for eating a bunch of stuff in the food court and gaining a bunch of weight because I was right near the food court. And I knew the people that, that ran the pretzel stand next to the store that I worked at. So we had a little An good An autonomous thing unit for pinball snacking? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So my number five is Tower Records. Um, and... I think it's possible that there's other music-related things um, later on in the list, but Tower Records is just kind of like an icon. And when I was in high school, that was like right when the burning CDs phase started and all the the CDs. But I remember like when I was 12, 11 years old, there was nothing cooler that you could get than a CD in in one of those Walkman and, and I oh, used yeah. to listen to them the, in the, the back of my man. parents' car. We had the, the disc man. Well, and, and going and, through the CDs because the CDs were in those long boxes, so you couldn't, so people couldn't shoplift them. They long the long boxes, and then you would have to like sift through them with your fingers. And as you go through um, and look, you, you try to discover new music. And the funny thing about it was, is you would buy CDs when you only liked one song on the CD. But like going through the section and seeing the album art and and looking at the physical CD and they always had like oh, yeah. vinyl sections and T-shirts and stuff like Tower Records was like a blast. When, when the Black Crows released Amorica and the, the the cover art was a woman's crotch with an American flag bikini, like I remember being so scandalized by that. They put that in the mall. <laughs> What's your number five? My number five is Radio Shack, because while Radio Shacks existed outside malls, it was so convenient if you were in the mall and you were like, oh, I need like a Y adapter for my stereo. I'm just going to pop into Radio Shack and get that, and I'm going to spend $1.99 on it. Like, how did they afford the rent? What was Radio Shack? Because they, they had the Tandy computers for a while, but once they stopped really getting any market share with those, they're really just selling like cords and connections that can't do enough revenue to justify a space in the mall. They had some pretty expensive stuff in there. Like if you wanted to buy a mini disc player or, um, you yeah, know, they had stereo like equipment. Yeah. I mean, my number four is Radio Shack. And the reason why it was for me is because I was kind of like a nerd that liked, um, I liked those types of things. Like, Oh, when me too. Mini disc players came out. Uh, I was obsessed with it. When the iPod came out, I was obsessed with it. Like, I always wanted the cool little trinket, and I always thought that Radio Shack was a cool place to go in there and just see stuff that you really didn't, that you could discover from a, an electronic standpoint. And it's like, I still don't even realize. Some I, I like, we'll drive on the highway, Andy, and I'll look uh, to my left and my right, and then I'll see like Batteries Plus. And I yeah. always used to think to myself, like, why the hell is that place still open? But Boring Radio, Radio Shack. Shack. Yeah, they buried Radio Shack, and it's like, why couldn't Radio Shack just expanded their battery department and had all the cool stuff that we still wanted? I'm like, <laughs> there are some places and some things that would still be convenient to this day. It's the whole Blockbuster thing. It's like, when Blockbuster was here, we didn't appreciate it to what it was, and then it left, and now I could use we a Blockbuster. We didn't appreciate them because they gouged us with late fees. You know what? I'm not going to knock a man for uh, creating a business plan, and I'm going to knock a... Uh, I'm going to knock them for getting greedy and getting bypassed by technology. So, well, actually, the hooray CEO, for disruption. The CEO, there's, I'm kind of a, a stocks tech nerd, like I just said. And like there are videos on YouTube of Microsoft's uh, CEO um, right when the Apple iPhone came out, like scoffing at the fact that the phone was going to be the next thing in, in personal computers, like laughing at it. And like then iPhone took off and he should have been fired. And the CEO of Blockbuster, who had every um, bit of the opportunity to bury Netflix and create their own streaming platform before, thought that people still wanted to come into the store. And both of those guys are like millionaires and the worst minds in the history of leading a company. Golden so, parachutes are great. Number four for me, KB Toys. 
you love going to the toy store. Come on. And and look, Toys R Us is, is where you go if you wanted to see every toy. But when your mom was busy looking in Casual Corner, you could pop into KB and see what the new G.I. Joe figures or the new Transformers look like and get an idea of what you what you wanted to put on the old Christmas list. My number three is KB Toys, and that's like early life memories. Because like it wasn't a store that I would go into when I was a teen. But when I used to go to the mall with my mom when I was a child, that would be like hold your breath as you walk by it territory. It smelled great. I don't yeah, know I can why remember KB the smell. store can you? smelled so good, but it smelled great. It smelled like happiness for children. <laughs> it was amazing. All right, my number three is Sam Goody. This was we didn't have Tower Records where I lived. Uh, we had Camelot and Sam Goody and Musicland. Sam Goody was the most fun because Sam Goody also had posters and T-shirts and like the life. You know, you could buy a life-size David Bowie standee to put in your room if you wanted to. Uh, but the same general feel as as you mentioned about Tower Records, just going through the CDs. It was so much fun. And yeah, you'd buy a CD for one song and I still want, I mean, like, I still am angry at the music industry for forcing me to spend $17.99 on a Chumbawamba CD. Yeah. That just, it still hurts. Like, why did I do that? Could you imagine? Well, I had Savage Garden CD when I was a kid. Um, but at least that, now, that CD was a one sucked, hit wonder. But at least they had three hits on that album. Ooh, I want you, but I don't know if I need you. Yeah. Remember that song? Ooh, I die to find out. But then, yeah. and then you had the truly madly deeply, and then you had yeah. the, and you had another. There was another slow song that, that that was a hit. So yeah, no, I, I just it drove me insane. And look, I, I did gravitate. I moved on to the Circuit City, Best Buy, Target, where they were selling CDs at a loss, as loss leaders to get you in the store, so you could buy them at like twelve dollars instead of seventeen. But it's still such a waste when you think about. For the cost of one CD a month, now you can have the entirety of the music. Uh, I was just gonna say, all the music you ever recorded. When I was in high school, I bought the first iPod that came out, and I spent hours and hours and hours downloading albums and labeling them and creating this little box that I thought I'm gonna have thirty thousand songs and uh, five hundred complete records on this that are and perfect. Some Every Swiss track, like. I'm just going to have all the songs and you pay me one once a month and, and you can yeah. access them. Like if you would have told me you could have every song ever created um, <laughs> on the palm of your hand for 10 bucks a month, my mind would have been blown because I took so much pride in my iPod because I had the most extensive, most legit and accurate full albums, everything. I used to download full albums. I was quite the pirater when it came to like downloading music illegally on Napster. <laughs> but like I don't know every, what the statute of limitations is on that, but uh, every single yeah, song on the record. Napster days were... Uh, we're a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. My number two, we're very much on the same page here. Uh, or my, I'm on number three myself, right? No, you're on no, number two. Your number three was KB. Oh, my number two is Suncoast. Did oh, you guys have that's Suncoast? A good one. That's a great one. Yes. Uh, Suncoast. I loved movies. So um, it was just like a cool vibe in there. And movies were the same exact thing with uh, as music. But, you know, my best friend in, in high school and you know, when I was a kid, was a big movie movie guy. He loved watching movies. I'd go in there. We'd be in there for an hour. It'd be like a babysitter. You can just like go through and and well, see they, the they VHS had, tapes. That and, was the only place you could get like a t a shirt with a movie logo on it, because there was no internet. You couldn't buy that off of Amazon. It didn't exist. Right, right, right. And it was just like a the vibe of the place was just cool. And like it was like I just feel like back in the in the two thousands when all these places were still open, that it was much easier to buy gifts for loved ones. <laughs> or impulse buy gifts for loved ones. Yes. It's, it's, it's hard. Like if you open up Amazon and say, I'm going to shop for somebody that I love. It's the, the amount of choice is almost paralyzing. Like, cause you could literally buy anything in the world. Well, and they'll the, deliver the it to you in two days. That it's much easier to browse in the mall than it is on, on Amazon. You have everything on earth at your fingertips. You can buy motor oil or a Rolex, but, 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 but you, you have but you to walk that, by you things need that naturally. curated choice. It's like listening to a radio station versus listening to Spotify. You walk into Suncoast, you leave with something you didn't even know you needed. <laughs> and you probably didn't. You didn't. You didn't need it. You I didn't cannot, want it, but you gave the money for it anyway. I cannot tell you how much money in my early 20s I blew on building DVD collection. Like how stupid. <laughs> Remember how like expensive our friend Blue? Three Year Letterman on Twitter. Do he has a huge that? DVD collection. 
um, the Blu-ray, I had to get like Casino in because like I was like buying all the new technology you, so I could watch movies. You and, didn't do laser discs, did you? Oh, I don't think so. No, I, 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 my I wife's so, family when she was a kid did laser discs. Her dad was a laser disc person. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Um, I, I've heard it's, it. I don't like know it's what a, the, it is. A DVD the size of a record, essentially the size of a, a full size album. That's crazy. <laughs> it existed. All right. My number two is County Seat. County Seat, the most basic of basic mall square clothing. Uh, in high school, I probably owned almost exclusively plaid shirts, and they were all from County Seat. And side note, I didn't get a lot of dates in high school, Ari. You didn't? But I loved County Seat. I don't think that existed in Phoenix, Arizona, so I don't even know what you're talking about. That's because everybody was cool in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'm County, Googling County it Seat, now. and some people had chesking. And, and I was going to say structure, but structure actually still exists. Structure is just express men, so it it, it just changes. Oh, yeah, name. structure. I forgot about structure. Yeah. Man, those, these lists, they, they bring you back. Okay, are you ready for my number one? I'm ready. EB Games. Oh, that, yeah. That was my my heaven. And all these stores existed in the mall that I worked in. So, you know, I got to go to all of them. Like EB Games. Remember Sega Dreamcast? Absolutely. And I remember having Sega Dreamcast, and I would go into EB Games. I'd get so excited to buy NFL 2K. Man, those were the days. Like, sometimes I feel like the simplicity of childhood is the apex of life because it's just like I would go with my friend. We'd buy the new uh, Sega Dreamcast sports game. Wait till you actually have kids. You'll get super jealous of that. Yeah. And then they are like the, the joy of just the little stuff. You know, because I don't know, like I want a PS5 right now and some as much as things change, they stay the same. But like I still don't get that like exciting, um, like that that exciting nervousness in your in your I don't know how to explain it. Just the excitement when you're a, a tingling kid. in your loins. Yeah, just like so. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> it, all right. It, well, that was my it. heaven is my number one. They had these in, in different parts of the country. The, the particular one I am talking about, the store is called the Swiss Colony. And the one I'm talking about was at Cutler Ridge Mall down in South Florida in the late 80s. And it was a it was basically a food gift shop kind of place. Uh, you could buy meats and cheeses and tins of cookies to send to people. The meats were the key here. This is the first place I got to taste real good beef jerky. They, they, they sold eight foot long beef ropes. And I asked my mom for one. She's like, no, absolutely not. And then my dad walked in. He's like, hell yeah, let's get five. And it was absolute heaven. Every time we went to the mall, I found my way to the Swiss colony and I was getting either beef stick or, or beef jerky or, and they had samples of cheese. It was perfect. I don't know what this place is, but as you talk, I'm Googling it and I'm like, my mouth is watering. And I knew that we couldn't possibly get through a random ranking worth my mouth not watering somehow. So mall food stores or mall stores, I, I was like, this is going to be a weird random ranking because we're not like arguing about food. But alas, you saved the day. <laughs> it's uh, that that first six foot long beef rope, I think really, it may have been eight foot long. I, I, I don't know. The, the memory fades, but the taste lives forever. I just remember getting it and, and it had the perfect snap on the casing. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. If this is all I have for the rest of my life, I will be happy. And alas, the Swiss colony, no longer a place that I can go and get a rope of beef of varying lengths. I feel like if I could go back in time, I, uh, the number one thing I could do, I think, would be to go enjoy a, a nice Vegas night in like the 70s when it was Vegas the way it was supposed to be. But now I think number two might be just one more fall Sunday in the shopping mall after the NFL games. When I was a kid, I'd watch my favorite NFL team. Then after they won, or most of the time lost, I'd go to the mall and, and just hang out with my friends. And I'd, I'd give it all for the one more day like that. One more day hanging out at Lids. Did you have a hot sauce store in your mall? A hot sauce store? We had a hot sauce store in the mall where I worked at Champs. I uh, know, not at the mall. I again at. another store. How do they pay their rent? Everything they sell costs three dollars. <laughs> yeah, like the store, the mall that I worked in in high school, 
I don't know is like the typical shopping mall that you have because like it was Scottsdale Fashion Square and you oh, and I've, I've actually been, to been there together. Fashion Square. That is a fine, fine mall. It would, but it's also much like, nicer than the Seminole Town Center and the <laughs> Altamont Mall, which were the two champs locations I worked at. The the South the the Fashion Square at um, Scottsdale uh, is like the top floor is Breitling, Rolex, Nordstrom, Louis Vuitton, yeah. Gucci. Like it it's goes like across that type of mall. street. If you're upstairs, yeah. you like walk across the street while you're in the mall. It's, and then there's, it's and, incredible. And there's a wing on the other side where all the normal people stores like that we worked in were. So you still had the same, but like it wasn't the same type of environment that you uh, would have um, in a normal mall. So it was uh, a very interesting dynamic. But also I worked at Paradise Valley Mall a ton. And that one was just a normal mall that had all the junk food and everything else too. So, uh, God, I, I you know what? I went shopping for um, holiday gifts for my girlfriend uh, last week at North Park Mall in Dallas. Very nice mall. And I do miss shopping in the mall. There's something amazing about shopping at the mall in December, isn't there? I love the smell of commerce in the morning. (laughs) I love it. The Christmas music is going. Everybody's happy. Credit cards are out. Debt isn't crude. Like, come on. Like, there's nothing better than, than buying things you didn't know you wanted before you walked into the mall. And that is an experience that's lost online. Well, everybody enjoy your mall trips this weekend, but I have a feeling most of you are going to spend Saturday watching college football just like we are. And after those games, we'll be right back here with you to break them all down. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review. Starting next week, you're going to be able to watch the show on video if you'd like. You can see our ugly mugs as we say this stuff. You can see me singing. You probably don't want to see that, but you can. And please subscribe to The Athletic. We have a great promo going on right now. Buy one subscription, get one for a friend or a loved one or a family member. You buy one, you gift one. So for the price of one year, one regular priced year, you get really two subscriptions, one that you can give to somebody else. And I promise you, they will be your best friend or your favorite relative, or at least you'll be their favorite relative when you give them the gift of The Athletic. If you want that, go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you after the game.